So we will be talking about very sad things today. Beep, beep, trigger warning. Beep, beep. What are these trigger warnings, you may ask? Well, we're speaking about children. One, well, a few children, but mostly just one. And bad things happen. So child abduction, child rape, and brutality, and awful things. So trigger warning. You might not want to listen if any of this makes you sad, but you probably should listen because if you can help solve this case, think of how amazing that would be and the karma points you'd get. Bing, bing. That's good juju there. So I suggest you listen. Um, I don't really go into crazy detail, so it's not too bad, but you know, sometimes you need to hear the bad things to... Make the world a better place so you can have people stop doing the bad things. If that will ever happen. Why hello there, 801 Horror Cult fans. Back again for another solo awkward episode with me, Kira Anti-Pants. And the recording mascot, the land shark, playing with our squeaky toy. I told you not to play with that. That's what I get for bringing squeaky toys into the office. (laughs) Yep, I am here on a snowy, cold, wintry day. Even though it's not really wintry except for right now. Yep, it's freezing. It's snowing. I'm wearing pants. That's how cold it is. I have like two socks on. Two socks. Two pairs of socks. <laughs> oh, I have two pairs of socks on. And I'm wearing pants and a sweatshirt because my hoodies are being washed. My life is falling apart. Just kidding. It's not that bad. I'm just cold. I'm going to take a really hot shower and eat some chicken enchilada soup I'm making later. That's right, sometimes I cook things. Alright, fans of In My Plaid Clad Kingdom, what are we talking about today? So last week, we went over the cold case file of Anthony Charles Adams. Crazy, huh? This still enrages my soul, stupid people. And we still don't know. So let's get going and web sleuths out there. Let's find this shit and get it solved. I want to know who murdered Anthony Charles Adams. Who? But today, today we are going to go over another cold case. I decided to throw it out there and not tell you guys. Or pick the ones that I told you guys last week. I can't talk. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. All right. Back to busyness. What are we doing today, this very day, although I don't know what day you'll be listening to this, but this day, this week, I will be discussing, dun dun dun, the tragic case of Rosie Tapia. Okay, so I'm going to set set the mood, set the tone, and reel you back into a crazy era. So the era we will be going to will be the era that all of my friends and I were wearing 
terrible jelly shoes and grunge music ruled the world and it is when Disney princess movies reign supreme and I watch the Disney Channel all the time. My poor family. I mean, I'm not sorry. I love Disney. I will always love Disney. Those old school classics, man. I swear, they need to have me be a Disney princess. I will be the ninja princess. You know, I mean, technically Mulan's not a ninja. She's just a badass. And, you know, that's based off of true things. No, I want it completely fictional. Just Kira the Ninja Princess series. It can be on the Disney Channel. That's fine. Or a terrible live action one that only plays on the Disney Channel. Like the Disney Channel movies that they have. I know you filmed them here. My dad was in them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we know. We know you do them here. Just do that. Hook me up, Disney Channel. Okay. So I set the mood. We're back in the 90s. Back when I was a youngie. And some of you might have barely or not been born yet. Or some of you might have been born for a very long time at that time. <laughs> Whatever age you were, be it you existed or not, we are going to the mid-90s. August 12th, 1995 to be exact, at the Heartland Apartment Complex in Salt Lake City. I think that was kind of actually by um, the terrible parts of Salt Lake City that people always make fun of because there's so much crime. Yeah, even as a kid. Ooh. <laughs> so that is where we are going in this adventure, okay? The Heartland Apartments. So there lived the Tapias in a ground-level apartment. The household consisted of Roberto, the dad, Luin, the mumsy, Amelia, a bigger sister, and I should say a bigger half-sister, and Esmeralda, another bigger half-sister, and then Rosie, who is six years old, who's the unfortunate star of this episode, um, and four-year-old twins Robert and Angelica. So, now we know who they are. That evening, Roberto and Louine decided to go dance their hearts out. So Amelia was an amazing daughter and took up her sibling duties and watched the three youngsters. So around 7 p.m. on a nice summer August evening, Amelia walked Rosie to the playground that they had in the apartment complex. Uh, she dropped her off and then walked back, which is slightly weird. Like, I know you're a teenager, but you're supposed to be watching the children, you know? I mean, was she like, did you trust her enough to just leave her? Or were you being a teenager and just getting rid of your siblings so you can go do teenager things? And see it going either way. I mean, not putting blame on anyone, but like, <laughs> why? <laughs> why would you leave them? Leave her, I should say. But whatever. Maybe it was like... I don't necessarily know where the apartment was as opposed to the playground. So maybe it was close so she could keep an eye out on her but still be in there and, you know, be a teenager. I don't know. Not that long after she dropped her off. <laughs> a man carried Rosie back and he claimed that 
Cade kicked her um, back as they were going down the slide. And so she's hurt. So he's bringing her back. Slightly suspicious, right? Because she had just gotten there not that long ago. So Amelia thanked him and took Rosie back from him. And as he did, he told Rosie goodnight. And he was addressing her by name. Amelia was slightly curious, so after she shut the door, she asked Rosie how he knew her name. Rosie did not know. And then Rosie also told Amelia that nothing even happened, so she didn't get hurt. So it's like, I want to know exactly what happened. Did he just like pick her up or did he make her think that a kid got hurt on the slide? I don't know. If this was a video, you'd like zoom in on my suspicious eyes right now. Whoop! Kind of suspicious, right? Done, done, done. Alrighty. Nine o'clock that evening, so a few hours later, Amelia bathed the kids, fed them, put them to bed. And then she went, as she put them to bed, she tucked in. Angelica and Rosie in one bed and Robert in another slightly cracked the door and went on her teenage business for the evening. Later that night, Roberto and Louine came home from a fun night of dancing and, you know, being social butterflies and whatnot, or just getting drunk and dancing. All of the above are fun. They came home at 2 a.m. because of crazy part kids that were dancing the night away, you know. Being just dancing queens and kings. Louine thought she would check on her little ones once she got home. Because she's just, you know, being a good mom. And she noticed when she got in the kids' room, she noticed that the window was open. Well, here's the thing back in the 90s for those of you who are too privileged and born later in life. So you're not aware of these things. But air conditioning wasn't quite as popular and every what well, was popular but it wasn't everywhere especially if you lived in lower income places like you just get what you get so you do the old-fashioned thing and you know you open your window some people put fans in an open window which isn't really safe for children but you know we're hot you need to you need to do that a lot of us listening have been through that shit you know especially in august in the desert like we live in a desert it's a desert. It's hot as hell in August. August was like back then. It's different now with climate change. But back then, August was like the hottest month. And then slowly, September became the hottest month. Why? Why, Utah? Why? <laughs> but anyway, so August used to be the hottest. So you're just dying of heat. You know, I guess that's why so many kids went to the public pools and peed in them. While they slam, which is really gross. <laughs> Anyways. So yeah. Smack dab. In August. In the Utah desert. Hot as fuck. So that's why the window was open. No worries though. There was a screen over it. You know. So they weren't just willy nilly having the window open. And it not being safe. So keep that in mind later. You crazy people. Alright. So... She, being a great mom, not wanting to fully wake them up, tiptoed to the window and not the tulips and, like, tried to close it the best she could. The window was kind of budging, so she didn't want to make too much noise and curse a too much trying to close that window. 
So it was open just a smidge. So then she decided she was ready for bed. The kids were safe. The window was mostly shut. So she tiptoed out and kept the door like kind of open just like before you know so those closet monsters can't get the children and so that light would come in because they were scared of the dark which most children are so as the mom louine was falling like was not falling asleep but was sleeping she kept having these this really bad uneasy feeling and after a bit i'm sure she slept too but depends on if she drank anything and how much like those nights would be crazy man <laughs> anything can happen so so after keep having these feelings she got up and decided that she would make sure it's all good in the hood so she went to check on the children and noticed that the door was closed she knew that it was not closed when she went to bed but like not super worried just kind of like huh it was one of those huh moments I have a lot of those, but usually those are more like weird paranormal huhs. <laughs> but either way, she had a huh moment. And like, that's weird. Knowing that, she decided to open it up. And the Venetian blinds were on the floor. Which was very weird. So she's like, mm, okay. And then she noticed that the window that she had closed as much as possible was wide open. You know, wide open spaces? Yep, that was her window. So that was a more than a huh moment. That was a fuck moment. So, you know, panicky scan the room. You know, make sure everyone's there and maybe just the wind or something, even though it wasn't windy that night. Two of the three children were accounted for. The two four-year-old twins, Robert and Angelica, were there. But poor little Rosie, nowhere. That poor woman, I can't imagine. I don't have children, but I lose things a lot. And <laughs> that sucks alone when you lose something. I thought I lost my fur babies a time or two here and there. And I thought I would die. So I can't imagine your own human spawn and losing it. Terrifying. I feel horrible for this poor woman. So she called out Rosie's name. Nothing. She walked around the apartment, see, maybe she's there somewhere. Nothing. Went back in the rooms like, well, maybe you missed her or something. And no, no Rosie. No Rosie at all. While she was back in the room, she went up to the window and noticed that the screen had been removed. Which is scary as hell. Because it's one thing to just have the window wide open because maybe a kid got up and got hot and opened the window more. But it was cool because the screen was on. Yeah, no, screen got popped off, so that's a super what-the-fuck moment. Poor, poor mom. Well, now you're freaking out so bad. So when she noticed that the window had been removed and little Rosie's all not there and her poor, poor mom brain is freaking out, she immediately called the cops and then contacted family members to help search for Rosie. Side note, by the way, just an FYI. So that screen... That was in the window. It had a hole on it because it was pride. Um, don't know how old the hole was. If it was there from previous times. Or if them trying to pry the screen off caused the hole. But yeah, there's a hole in the corner of the screen. There's pictures of it and everything. Yeah, so there's your side notes. Keep that in mind too. 
anything can happen. So the police arrived around 5.35, 5.45 in the morning. They interviewed the family. Oh, my God. I put the police interviewed the police. I'm tired. <laughs> the police interviewed the family and then began combing the large complex. See, maybe they can find Rosie. Maybe she just wandered off because that's what they're thinking. Oh, Rosie just wandered off. Okay, I'm going to throw something out there right now. Okay, um, the screen was popped off. And Rosie's six. Do you think she thought to pop it off? Do you, do you think she knows? Like, I don't think that far ahead when I was six. No, I was thinking of Disney and Barbies, you know, and My Little Pony and being a ninja and music. <laughs> but, I mean, that's me. That was my brain. I don't know. Or was it, does it pop off easy is what I want to know. Does it pop off easy or is it harder? Because if it's harder to pop off then she couldn't have done it anyways. But in all my research and hearing things, no one mentioned anything else about it besides it was popped off. So it's just part of my brain is just fixated on that. And that's fun. Fixated on something I will never get an answer for. Oh. <laughs> okay. So I comb, they're starting to comb the large complex. The Tapia family, um gathered together they started making flyers to you know plaster all of salt lake near glendale and all the fun areas and they began to start their own search for rosie because you know sometimes those police officers don't don't look that well or they're like tunnel visioned on things which in every cold case i've ever heard that's usually what happens sometimes no but sometimes they're just fixated on one theory and they fuck up evidence like this episode. As I said, the police weren't too worried. They thought that she just wandered away, which again, dumb. <laughs> just going to say that now. Dumb, 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 dumb. Just kidding. That's for the Mormon episodes. All right. So for hours, they searched the complex and the surrounding streets. The police asked the family to go to the station so they could... Um, do an official statement, you know, and see if there's anything that they missed. Kind of get them away from the panicked area so they can maybe, like, think better and cl more clearly. Which, how the fuck can you do that when your little girl is gone? Okay, so Amelia, the sister who was watching them as their parents were out dancing the night away, um, en route to the station, overheard the dispatch report that they found the little girl's body in the Jordan River Canal. So let me just go on a tangent right here and give you a little heads up. For those of you who are not familiar with the Jordan River, the Jordan River Canal, and the Jordan River Trails, my whole life, and before then, <laughs> that is always known as the spot where bodies are found, be it in the water or around it. Murder and bodies are found all the time in that area, even to this day, which I was in the same area as what happened in January, the day after the Tool concert. <laughs> I was walking there with some great company and we were in that area of what happened the next day, come to find out that in that exact same area, um, the next morning, they found a dead body, which is nothing new, but slightly 
crazy because I was there. Was I there when it was happening and they were quiet? And like, did we walk past it and not notice? Or did it happen after? Who knows? Either way, creepy. Anyways, so as a side note, so you, those of you who aren't from Utah or don't know of this because you don't live by there, there's bodies found there all the time. So much and so much crime happens there that we are going to be doing. It's probably going to be a two or three episode of the Jordan River Trails. Yes. And many of these murders that we will be talking about just throughout a lot of them have a connection to there because either evidence from crimes or the bodies themselves are found in and around the Jordan River, the Jordan River Trail, Jordan River Canal. Yeah. <laughs> and the Jordan River Canal is a very, spans quite far. So, like, it hits a lot of areas. So that gives ample opportunity to throw a body there like all over and it's pretty woodsy it's really pretty and very like woods landy and yep that's a word now woods landy <laughs> there's a lot of cute ducks and all those fun little creatures running around in swamp goodness but yeah so there you guys go for those who aren't familiar so that's it and you're gonna be hearing it a lot we kind of discussed things being found there already in previous episodes. But so there, there's a heads up. So she heard that. Not sad. That's something. I'm sure once she heard it, I, like, if she knew, she's like, that's her. Or if she's hoping it was another little girl. It's tough. Either way, it's tough. Um, on August 13th, you know, a little bit later that day, around 10, 10.30... That's when a local fella doing his daily routine of walking his dog in the morning, this cute little doggy, just walks by on the trail of the Jordan River Canal and saw what looked like a doll floating in the river. Got a little closer and realized, um, yeah, that's, that's not a doll. Nope, 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 that's a body. So he immediately called the police. John. John. I forgot his last name. You go, John. You're a good fella finding that. And I really want to know if your dog's still alive so I can pet your dog. Oh, also, the part where he found the body, that, um, the Jordan River Canal, that part was only like a block away from her apartment. So it was not far at all. So it was super easy to grab her from her apartment. The police decided to comb around and in the Jordan River Canal in that area to see if they could find where she, um, where she entered and if they could find any other evidence. Maybe they even got, you know, some cute bloodhounds in there trying to sniff it out. They walked them along there, tried to see if they could find stuff and whatnot. Meanwhile, the other police we're still at the apartment complex trying to now find witnesses after a long debate on if she ran away or homicide. But now that they found her body, homicide. But I'm going to throw a tidbit in there because they thought she was running away. You know, did they miss some critical evidence? So, yeah, they're looking for witnesses now. See, 
if they can get any leads or tips, anything to help hurry and find Rosie's killer now and not just her body since I found that. So the autopsy found that she was brutally, brutally sexually assaulted. The sentence doesn't sound right, but I'm going with it anyways. There you go, world. <laughs> so keep in mind that later on, you'll find out some more things from that autopsy that maybe the police didn't tell, you know? I know you got to keep th some things close, so... When you in interview the, you know, murder suspects, the true murderer might say something that only you guys and the murderer would know. After being an evil diddler, the murderer uh, just threw the body in the river. How disrespectful is that? Like, I mean, there are some murderers that after you murder, like, children or someone you love or whatever, some of them will actually, you know, kind of like take care of it and like clean it up and kind of like leave them there in a nice way I mean even though you horribly murdered someone but no this dickhead just threw her in the river sad no one deserves to be thrown in the river except for diddlers you know legally throw them in the river don't do anything illegal okay I don't condone that also, you know, with his great police investigation skills they got going on, they're also really good about communicating with the family. Like, you know, keeping them up and stuff. Terrible. Like, poor mom had to fight for everything. She even asked, like, is there any DNA that could be tested? And they're like, nah. <laughs> did they check everywhere? Did they? Or did they just, like, say they did, but they didn't? You know, like, oh, yeah, I'll get to that later. Wink, wink. Side tangent. As I was deep diving into my research for this case, I came across an interview. I think it was the day or the day after that it happened. I can't remember when. But they interviewed one of the neighbors. And we all know how good um, interviewing neighbors and witnesses are for news programs, especially in the 90s and early 2000s. You know, hilarious. Well, this one was a lady that, oh man, this lady was hysterical. It wasn't even her child and she was just like crying and freaking out. And <laughs> it's, I shouldn't, should, <laughs> it makes me giggle, but it shouldn't. Because I'm a terrible person. But also common sense here. Makes sense when I tell you. <laughs> so crying, freaking out. Like, you know, how could this horrible person do this? He's so evil. Totally agree with that part. And like, what now? Now do we have to keep our kids locked up? Now do we have to start locking our windows? Now do we have to start locking our doors? Now do we have to start putting bars on our doors and keeping our children indoors so no one can take them? Okay. I got I just want to stop that lady for a minute and be like, "Come here." First of all, you should be locking your windows and doors anyways. Now, only if you're in a high crime area, you could go with bars or if that makes you feel better. But you should be locking your windows and doors anyways. Doesn't matter where you live. And at that point in the 90s, we lived through the golden age of serial killers. 
you know, so that taught everyone there alone to start locking doors and windows. Um, this was 95. You should have already been locking that. Even if you didn't know anything about crime and you had children and you always want to protect them and shit, wouldn't you just lock everything anyways? <laughs> I don't know. I only have fur babies, but call me crazy. I thought it was kind of funny when she was just so appalled by the thought that you had to start locking doors. I mean, I understand why, because, you know, the world's not as safe as she thought it was, but it never really has been. It's just the horrible things were brought to her attention and it made her uncomfortable, so she freaked out, which is understandable. But, you know, so if you guys don't know, lock your doors and lock your windows. Okay, don't be dumb. <laughs> don't, don't be this lady. <laughs> okay, back to business. As police continued investigating, Amelia was being interviewed. They found the first person of interest. Who was that, you may ask? The creepy good Samaritan guy that brought Rosie back from the playground. Now, meanwhile, at the complex... And not the concert place now that's called the complex. At that apartment complex. Um, they were interviewing people. One neighbor um, claimed to hear a scream that morning. Another one told police about what had happened a few, was it a few weeks ago or a few months ago. That their little girl was abducted and raped as well. So here's the fucked up part. They told the property manager... About what happened. And do you know what the property manager did? Told them to keep quiet. Yeah. Your poor little girl. Was abducted and raped. And they're like. Shh. shh don't tell anyone. Like. Dude. If you're telling someone that. You better be bribing them. Like. Yo. You can have like. A month. Uh, not a month free rent. You should give them a whole year's free of rent if you want them to be hush. You gotta learn how to play the game. Good God, property manager. Especially something horrible like that. Like, if this hop, like, if the Tapias went to you and was like, um, you know, this isn't safe. A child was abducted, raped, and murdered. Would you tell them to be quiet too? Um, you can't, because the police are involved now, bitches. But I'm like, did they, this neighbor that had that happen to their little girl, did they take her to the police or not? I know it's really scary, but I kind of am curious on that. I didn't really look into it either, so I don't know. I don't know if you can even find anything on that, but that's horrible. These poor little kids and stupid diddlers, man. I fucking hate diddlers. The investigators found that the playground Good Samaritan creepy man, um, they found him, interviewed him, and claimed that he was just being a good dude, you know? <laughs> so they're like, he's cool, creepy, cool. <laughs> like, I don't get it. So tons of interviews happened. Um, they even checked into the registered diddlers that were around that area around that time. And nothing. They found... T but the one thing... Well, many things that they did find that was pretty suspicious. That 
you know, if something was done about this, maybe they could have prevented this, was that tons of neighbors complained that creepy dudes were approaching their children. Did they also address this problem to the property manager? Like, how many people were hushed? Dude, if you're hushing everyone, you gotta give them all, you know, like, something if you're gonna keep them quiet. So they found that out about the kids, well, many kids being approached by creepy men. Um, they still found nothing, like, leads, but nothing solid, nothing really to go after. Because, you know, they were doing just a stand-up good job with their, all their police work that they may or may not have done. So, you know, after all that, and things were winding down, the Tapias moved away, which totally don't blame them. And in 1996, the case went cold. After a while, the family had kept attempting to keep Rosie's name like, out there and keep generating buzz so, you know, this case wouldn't die. They wanted to try and keep it alive and get it solved. So they're trying to get national attention because, you know, maybe if it goes national, then shit will get done. Maybe someone can finally figure something out or do something because, you know, the police weren't telling the family much of anything. If they were even doing much of anything at that point, they're kind of just like that case. Let's go have some ice cream. <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous. So they tried to get attention from a few national shows like I'm going to name drop here and I don't feel sorry about it. America's Most Wanted and Unsolved Mysteries. Both I watched religiously at that time. Yeah, they turned it down. They quote unquote, or they claimed quote unquote that there wasn't enough facts quote unquote. I don't need to say quote-unquote twice. Yeah, so they turned him down claiming that there wasn't enough facts to cover it. Well, you know, I have a question and a theory and it's really horrible, but if this was a white girl, would, uh, would you at least done a little something? Because I know there's little shout-outs that they always would do of like, hey, they put a picture up and they'd be like, this girl is, they had enough. You know, you didn't need all of them to do like a big block of time, but they had enough to do the little shout outs. Like, hey, this girl was abducted from this place and she was brutally raped and murdered and left in the water in this location. If you have any information, blah, blah, blah. They do that all the time. Why did they not do that? In all these kind of programs, why did they not do that? You can't tell me you don't do those because I watched those all the time as a child. I was in a true crime since I came out of my mama. <laughs> so that's just a theory I have. And it's a horrible one. But I would like to know really why. Because I know you, you had enough to slightly say something to arouse some kind of buzz. So as we know, the police still start to tell the family anything. And eventually they buried her in the Salt Lake Cemetery. Um, you know, to kind of get some kind of peace out of this even though they don't know who did it, why, any of those reasons that any family would want to know. And cool, fun fact there, I've mentioned this before, but that is the same cemetery that the Mark of the Beast tombstone is. Like, yeah, I can't remember her name. But yeah, the 666 
uh, Beast Tombstone is there. So yeah, check that out. I can't remember what episode we talked about it, but yeah, yeah, we talked about it. Moving on. In 2010, family still heard nothing but kept hearing about other child abduction cases and how they were getting all publicized and out there. And because of that, they were getting those cases were getting solved. Talk about salt in the wound, man. <laughs> like, all they want is a little bit of help and they are just getting jack shit. And that pisses me off. As we know, I get angered real easily about this. You fight for that underdog and they are my underdog. <laughs> I, I will fight for you. Seriously, though, how fucking dumb is that? I can't even imagine, like... I'm going to name drop again. Sorry, not sorry. Elizabeth Smart. Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit later, but really, Elizabeth Smart? Guess what? Privileged white girl. Guess what? She was exposed and she was plastered everywhere. I remember getting so annoyed. I mean, it's a horrible thing that happened. I'm not saying that it's not. And I'm not saying, like, it's not tragic and everything. No, it's horrible. I feel bad that she did that. But there are so many other cases that are far worse. Like, she was lucky she was alive. How about they take some of that umph and put it into other cold cases? I'm just going to throw this out here yet again. She was a privileged white girl. And so, you know, cute, cute as button. Horrible thing happened to her. But that's the kind of news that people will flock to. Because racism. Again, I don't know how many times I gotta say this. You guys are gonna get sick of it, as sick of it as I got sick of watching. Oh, Elizabeth Smart, but I'm just saying, you know, bringing the attention out. We need to speak about things to get things to change. That being said, that salt in the wound, the poor family, like, oh, all these things are happening, and still, I can't even hear back from the police officers for our daughter's case. Ah, oh, grinds my gears. Okay. <laughs> so, this is the year that it's the 15th anniversary of the tragic events that happened to poor Rosie. And nothing. Nothing. I can't even imagine. I say that so many times, but it's true. I can't. But there was a light at the end of the tunnel. They were contacted about getting another, like, have, taking another look at the case. So, that was cool, you know? Maybe with all the other child abductions, it kind of, like, sparked a flame to, you know, check out some cold case. So, once reviewing the files, they realized a shit ton of evidence was overlooked. Duh! <laughs> Again, cold case. All the things are overlooked in every cold case ever. I can't say that enough. So, for example, some of this evidence that was overlooked. The little brother, the other twin, um, Robert, said that he woke up and saw a man with a beard that came into the room and the man told him to go back to sleep. How creepy is that? Sure, it could be, you know, kid dream thing, but what if it wasn't? That's a lead. There's like a lead there. Maybe or you could look into, you know, maybe. <sighs> I 
we're going to go back to this quote-unquote Good Samaritan creepy man fella. <laughs> so, the, the dude that they interviewed and cleared, it wasn't the same dude that Amelia had seen and talked to when he brought Rosie back. Yep. Nope. Oh, they were so good at their job that they interviewed the wrong fella. <laughs> so, that being said, they asked Amelia to come up with a composite sketch so of the man that brought Rosie back so then they can start looking. Because, you know, the, oh, the policemen weren't doing their jobs like they should have. And so, they got it done. And <laughs> this is... I'll post pictures, too, of the composite sketches, because there's going to be two um, in this tragic case. But there's two different composite sketches of two different men. So the first one, the creepy, the creepy good, or the good Samaritan creepy man fella, <laughs> he, he was described as a white with a dark complexion fella, approximately 30 years old, which I I'm terrible at guessing ages, so how do you know for sure? Um, five nine. I'm also terrible at heights. I just say tall or short. <laughs> <Let's see. laughs> Thin build, medium length, dark brown hair. Um, he wore a white shirt, red rim, red red rim ball cap, red rum, and blue glasses. What are you, a walking American flag? Come on now. That's just screaming, look at me. <laughs> like, you are not being suspicious at all. So now that they have that done, and a whole other description that is not the guy that they interviewed originally, uh, they are now thinking that maybe this fella brought her home to kind of, like, see where she lived and maybe case the joint for events that happened later on. Like... Which is kind of what I thought before I read that that's what they thought. I was like, dude, maybe he brought her home to, like, case the joint and, you know, see where she lived so he can do terrible things to her later. In 2017, um, there's a newly formed cold case, Utah Cold Case Coalition. It's a tongue twister, man. <laughs> they um, wanted to help find Rosie's killer and... For those who kind of want a heads up on what that is. So, it's it's pretty freaking dandy. So, you have a bunch of these, like, people that are super legit in their, their careers of helping things like this. Like, attorneys, private investigators, and other things, you know, that would help. They um, kind of help advise and work on these cold cases for free, nonetheless. So they can maybe get leads or f find DNA, you know, something to close these cold cases and get these dickhead murderers off the streets. Or if they're the murderers are dead, at least find out who it is. Give give that to the poor families. So yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. So <laughs> once they took on the case, they um are now looking for two men and two women. One of the men is a person of interest and the others might be valuable witnesses. 
So they wanted to, you know, talk to him and see. I keep giggling. I'm giggling because this is awkward and uncomfortable and sad and makes me angry. All the things. So they also asked for the residents around that time frame that if they could come forward with anything at all that might help, you know, like little things that you don't even realize. Maybe that that's the one tip that will bring the case and forward and whatnot. So one of the dudes in this, um, I forgot his first name, but we'll call him Mr. Jensen. <laughs> yep. He's Mr. Jensen. He, um, his investigation ended up showing just how much evidence was overlooked. Big shocker yet again, right? But like crazy, like how many times does this case have to be looked at? Like, get fresh pairs of eyes. Sometimes people bring the FBI in, like, real soon to get their expertise and fresh eyes. Don't wait millennia to get another person to look at the case. Like, do what some people do and, you know, bring the FBI in early. Just, you know, just saying. Call me crazy. This is, this was a what the fuck moment that I was like, what? So I saw it in one of the Justice Files interviews which we'll go over what a justice file is um, later. But, um, yeah, and then just, like, reading it and hearing it and seeing it was like, wow, bananas. So after Rosie's funeral, the Tapia family found a Barbie doll at Rosie's grave. Crazy, right? Why was it there? Um, so, Louine kept the Barbie and put it in a glass memorial. She had that for 23 years. Crazy. Um, the coalition was hoping to get DNA or something, um, to figure out, you know, is this going to help our case? Because was the Barbie left there from just, you know, someone showing support and, um, feeling sorry for Rosie so they gave her a little doll or was it from the killer so was there DNA evidence on that and if there is would it still be on there so it's kind of a good thing that she did put it in the glass but yeah crazy crazy so this Barbie that they found there was a the sweetheart Barbie <laughs> manufactured in 1994. So I was a super, super big Barbie freak as a kid. I didn't have that one though. No, I do remember. I don't remember if I've said this on a episode before, but getting on the, my top bunk and playing queen. Of, I did say it. It was in the episode with the amazing author TJ Tarantula about how I got on the top bunk and I be—I was playing the Queen of England and I beheaded all of my Barbies because of treason. <laughs> I so got grounded. <laughs> it was a good time. I had fun. Even though after that I had to put all the heads back on the Barbies and some of them never fit right. So then they were just no neck Barbies. They were head and shoulders. They were literally head, shoulders, knees and toes <laughs> and torsos. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so that Barbie was manufactured a year before the murder hmm 
Hmm. So what does this Barbie have to do with it? Hmm. Inquiring minds need to know. So it brought two people under the police's radar. And one of them was obsessed with Barbies and it wasn't me, I promise. I was very young then. I could not have murdered, nor would I, because that's bad. The coalition took the Barbie to the police in hopes that they can, um, you know, get anything off of it that would help. And the the Jensen fella is not sure. I'm not sure if it's Jensen, but one of the PI fellows is not sure if it even happened. Like, they're like, okay. But did they test it? We don't know. So that they si- they say that the perps, um, this isn't the perps' first time doing this. Um, from their, like, you know, profiling assessment thing from the evidence that they get did get. So, um, so they looked into abductions and murders that happened before and after Rosie's murders. Just to kind of see if any of them connections would happen. And ding, 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 we have a winner. One case stood out. It was like freaking identical to Rosie's. It happened later, but almost exact. Like, just wait. Just wait. (laughs) And it was only 15 minutes away from where Rosie lived at that time. This murder was the murder of Sierra Newbald. Like, I hadn't heard of this. And it's sad. <laughs> so she was six years old as well as Rosie. Um, so Sierra Newbald was a six-year-old, uh, kidnapped from her West Jordan home in the middle of the night on June 16th in 2012. Do any of you like remember hearing about this or know anything about this? I might, if there's enough to do anything with it, I might do an episode on her, but I want to know, like, do any of you remember this case? Never heard it. It's really sad, though. So the family's security camera caught someone carrying something from their home around 3.13 in the morning. Crazy. So they caught, probably caught the the dude taking the the little girl. Why is it always in the 3 o'clock hour? Be it paranormal or crazy murderers. Three o'clock, man. Um, in the morning, her mom found that Sierra was gone and the sliding door was open. Which, oh man, I can't imagine. Again, can't imagine. That would be horrifying. A few hours later, Sierra's body was discovered in the Jordan River Canal. But instead of in Salt Lake, it was in West Jordan. I'm telling you, this this Jordan River goes forever. <laughs> So, again, found there. Um, like Rosie, um, she had been sexually assaulted and beaten and strangled. Two days later, the police arrested Terry Lee Black on unrelated charges. But, you know, nowadays I have to do um, some DNA so they can insert it into CODIS and whatnot. I don't know if CODIS was there at that time, but at least they had to submit their DNA. And luckily, it was a match um, and linked him to Sierra's murder. Thank God. So Black's criminal records spans through four freaking states. 
get this. This is where we kind of come full circle and he can tie into the Rosie murders. So he was in Utah around the same time Rosie was abducted. And he was familiar with the Heartland apartment complex too. Dun, dun. The, so the detectives working on the Sierra case um, were planning on speaking with Miss, Monsieur Black about Rosie's murders. But we don't know if they did and if they did speak with him about it, what, what they came up with. We don't know. One cool kind of one cool fact that came out of her Sierra Newbald's murder is there's now a little memorial park in West Jordan um, called the Sierra Newbald Memorial Park, you know, in her honor. So that's kind of cool. So, you know, there's some something that came out of that. Um, and maybe a link to her to Rosie's murder with him. Maybe not. We don't know. But rest in peace, Sierra Newbold. Sorry that happened to you as well. At least your like your murder is solved. In 2019, ABC Channel 4, local Utah station, um, their news do, does a little um, true crime um, segment called The Justice Files. So they decided to cover Rosie's case and revealed a new witness. Thank God, after a million years, they have a new witness. And this one's a pretty freaking stellar witness, man. Okay, so, <laughs> um, this witness was overlooked by the police in 1995. So he did come forward, but you know, they did such great police work in 1995 on this case that, you know, they're like, oh, it's too big. We're not going to look at it. So this, this fella lived by the Jordan River Canal, um, and was, hanging outside of his house in the wee morning and um of August 13th so I should say on August 13th he was hanging out in the wee morning outside of his house and he saw a white pickup truck that was parked near 15th west and 17th south um as the truck left he saw a man described as a 16 or 17 year old Again, how do you exactly know? You could just say he looked like a teenager because I'm terrible with guessing age. <laughs> Anyways, so he looked like a 16 or 17 year old. He's Hispanic, medium build, high cheekbones. <laughs> I just find it funny. And you know, anyone's like, oh, that person had high cheekbones. <laughs> I don't know why it makes me laugh, but it does. It's all you high cheekbone people. You go. I think I have high... Yeah, I do have high cheekbones. They're pretty much into my eyeballs. They can't get any higher than mine. <laughs> Let's have a high cheekbone contest. La la. Okay. Um, high cheekbones. He was wearing a white t-shirt, denim jeans, and a gold chain around his neck. The witness thought that he was wearing two-tone jeans because, you know, the 90s fashion was so horrible anyways that that fit right in. But the closer he got to the 
to this teenager, um, he realized that he wasn't wearing two-toned jeans, that um, his jeans were wet from the knee down. At least it was an August man, because that would have been so cold in the winter. <laughs> so cold. <laughs> so, the Utah Coalition, or the Utah Cold Case Coalition, wanted to get a composite sketch of this guy. So they asked the witness to help them out. So then they got one. So we will also be posting on our socials the, um, the second composite sketch, which is this guy with his high cheekbones and his gold chain. <sighs> Bro, you fooling no one with your gold chain there, you stupid teenager. <laughs> so, so from that sketch, um, it was like put out on the Justice Files program and whatnot. The, there was a, a man that came forward named Danny and he said that it looked just like his longtime friend. And Danny also knew the Tapias. He used to sneak through that window where everything bad happened to visit Amelia, the big sister, whom he was seeing at that time. And occasionally, the the man, the sketch man, we will call him, <laughs> he would drive Danny to that apartment, and he also knew how Danny would get in through that window. So, that's kind of suspicious. So, what they did was they asked the witness who had seen the two-tone pants lad if, um, if he could pick this guy out of a picture lineup. So, he did and it was Danny's longtime friend. So they brought that guy in for questioning and did um, DNA testing on him. Sadly, his DNA did not match, so that kind of sucks. But not all is lost because what if there was more than one? Because if he was involved, since he was the man that the witness had seen walking by the Jordan River Canal and his pants were wet. Like, he walked by, but someone dropped him off. So, who was driving that white truck? Did they look into the white pickup truck driver? Like, did they ask the guy that who was driving that? So, clearly, there's more involved. So, what if it was that other person's DNA? Like, what if they did it together? What if one held and held the girl down and then did all those horrible things? Like, what happened? Because there's DNA under Rosie's fingernails. So, whose DNA is that? They're trying to find it out. It's not two-tone pants, lad. But what if it's the the driver of the pickup truck that dropped him off there or pulled away? Is he involved somehow? I want to know. Food for thought. Sadly, August 13th, 2020. So we're there now. So like two years ago. <laughs> On the 25th anniversary, the Utah Cold Case Coalition announced the Rosie Tapia identif Identification Project in her honor. This is a place where you can safely give tips to crimes and any of that kind of stuff anonymously, safely, and hopefully get things done with it so they don't just sit there in files, never checked on because police overlook them. So this is like pushing to get those things that always get overlooked looked at which is awesome and it needs to be everywhere so that's a cool thing sadly it came about because of a horrible reason but you know this is 
hopefully going to help out so many more cases. So that's that part's awesome. Another sad thing is um, that's when Amelia, the older sister, passed away. Only adding to the poor family sadness. I mean, she died at 43. It was of natural causes, at least. But still sad. So finally... Uh, Rosie's case got some national attention. Finally. So, good thing I don't have this station. Because I don't really watch TV. I stream things. But I don't have a way to stream these unless they put them on one of my streaming things. Is the Investigation Discovery Channel <laughs> took on her case. Finally. After 25 freaking years. So, this. Uh, investigation discovery took her case um to be precise is on the case with Paula Zane um is the one that decided that show I've never seen it but they did an episode on the Rosie Tapia cold case which is awesome but sadly here is the fucked up thing and it just breaks my heart for the poor mom so when the mom was watching she was horrified to find out that police, police, police withheld evidence from, or information from her, which is fucked up. So not only, so she knew that Rosie was beaten and raped, but then come to find out that she was all, Rosie was held under the water till she drowned. Yeah. Um, so come on now. There's a guy with his pants wet from the same area where Rosie's body was. Really? <laughs> ding, ding. Like, he's somehow involved. Come on now. He's got to be. Or that's some crazy ass coincidence. Just saying, like, that would be so crazy. <sighs> so she found out that her daughter had been held underwater until she drowned. And then, here's the super kicker. She also then found out that the, there was DNA under Rosie's nails. When her, when Louine asked the police if they had found any DNA and they told her no. So, that would have pissed me off if I was her too. I'd be like, fuck you, you had DNA this whole time and you told me no. She could have pushed harder for that. She could have, like, told others that were trying to help, like, there's DNA and whatnot. That's just, like, man, that poor mom. Just, that family's gone through so much. <sighs> but, yeah. So, now, that DNA under Rosie's nails has been submitted into the same um, laboratory that actually helped um, link... DNA evidence to find who the Golden State Killer was. So that that's the case of um, Rosie Tapia and a side case of Sierra Newbald and the poor poor neighbor girl that also got abducted and raped that lived in the same apartment complex as Rosie. Tragic, tragic. And uh, I don't know if the the girl in the same complex, if they caught the guy again, if they even went forward because the land, the, the manager told them not to say anything. So 
hopefully at some point you find justice for your little girl and for Sierra Newbald. You got justice and you got it right away and that's amazing. I'm so sorry that happened to you and that should never have happened. But I'm glad things worked out for you all after the fact of shit happening. Mostly. Guys, we need to solve this case. This case is, can be super solvable. I know a shit ton of you that are listening are in that age range. Grew up around that area. You might know something. Go forward. I will link things so you can like put a tip up if you know anything or knew anything or have a family member that knew anything or was around there at that time or heard anything because now since it's so old people can start talking because people do that the older a case gets and they think that it's like oh I can get away with shit now people are gonna brag or say something or come forward because it's been so long do that just like in the um the previous case with Anthony Charles Adams I mean that was way long ago so a lot of us weren't alive then So that one might be a little bit harder, plus I was like shrouded in crazy shit, but we can solve things like, and it doesn't matter how small, maybe that tiny, tiny tip is going to be just the tip, (laughs) but maybe that's going to be what solves the case. So it doesn't matter how small, but yeah, if you know anything about Rosie Tapia or her family or anything of that night of between August 12th and August 13th of 1995 in that area in the Heartland apartment complex say something we will find you a resource to say something but say something don't enable this behavior don't let this dickhead or dickheads get get away with it like no You know, the more research I do on these cold cases, I get so pissed off and I feel it in my bones. I want to help solve things. So maybe that's why my path has led me here to do crazy podcasts. (laughs) But yeah, we need, we need us, we need us, we need to solve this. So we'll link information if you know anything or don't feel comfortable. You can even talk to us and we'll help you get that information out there because her poor mom has been the whole family but her poor mom especially has been through so much shit let's get this under publicized case overly publicized all right let's start a hashtag i already kind of did this morning so we are going to spread this hashtag like wildfire let's get some get some more you know fire going under these butts and get her case solved so let's do Hashtag justice for Rosie Tapia with a red heart. Okay, we're going to get this. We're going to let it fly. Let's spread it like the plague. So world, I also have another thing. I didn't think about this at the time, but I'm going to also do a hash for every cold case. We're going to do a hashtag. We're going to spread them like the plague. Okay, so for Anthony Charles Adams, the cold case we did in the previous episode, we're going to do Hashtag justice for Anthony Charles Adams. Yep, so there. (laughs) 
two hashtags. Hashtag justice for Anthony Charles Adams and hashtag justice for Rosie Tapia with a red heart. Like the red heart emoji, not with a red heart. So don't type out with a red heart. You'll see it. Okay. And now it's time for the playlist. I only did five songs because it made me sad. <laughs> it made me sad and I don't want to, you know, linger in sadness when the world needs more positivity. So my first song is Abducted by Colts. Oh, deep, bro. Deep. Uh, second one. I Found by Amber Run. Also, whoa. Um, third, Broken by Seether. Fourth, Gone Too Soon by Daughtry. And number five, Tears of Heaven by Eric Clapton. Like, five of the most strongest songs you can pick for this poor case. Also, side note, world. I announced it on one of the social medias that all of our playlists for each episode that we have a playlist, um, I am creating a Spotify playlist on there for each episode. So you can just click it and listen to the music for each episode, that the songs that we've picked. You don't have to look them all up yourselves. You'll just have a handy dandy list of all the songs that we could find on playlist on the Spotify so, yeah, some of the songs aren't on Spotify, but the majority of each list is. So, we'll put those in all the links as well, so then you can just check those out. So, those, yeah, so there's some news there for you. So, Kira, yes, Kira, who's our Silver Fox of the Week? Well, Kira, let me tell you who it is. We're going to go with a fella that, you know, has done way too many movies with this subject matter of child abduction like pretty much they're the same movie like a million times we're gonna go with monsieur liam neeson <laughs> yep oh it works perfect because you know saint patrick's day was not that long ago and you know liam neeson he's irish so who we pick some good silver foxes, don't we, Kira? Yes, we do, Kira. Apparently, I'm just, you know, in touch with my Gemini side when I do this by myself. Okay, so Liam Neeson was born as William John Neeson. So where did Liam come from? I don't know. But yeah, so he was born in June, so he's a fellow Gemini. Ooh, let's do a Gemini movie, Mr. Liam Neeson. It'd be pretty cool. I don't know what we're going to do in it. I mean, we could probably do another Taken movie. <laughs> Taken, part whatever number we are on now, like a million. And um, you lost your daughter yet again. And I lost my true crime-loving cat, Neo. And... They were taken together, and we need to go find them in a very badassery way. So we'll kick a lot of ass, take a lot of names. You'll find your daughter, I'll find my kitty cat. 
I think it will be a great movie and like the box office will blow up and we'll make the most movie ever. Most movie. We'll make the most money ever for a movie. So Mr. Mr. Liam Neeson, fellow Gemini, super ass kicker, one who always loses and finds his daughter. <laughs> you are in so many action movies, but you are also in some Star Wars and most importantly, you were in some Batman movies as a dickhead. <laughs> so, you know, you scored some brownie points there, sir. So there, my plaid-clad occultist. That, my friend, is our Silver Fox of the Week. So, Liam Neeson, we love you and your hot Irish self. Yay! So, Mary. Yes, Kara. Where can they find us? Our listeners can find us at 801-HORROR-0-CCULT on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. And if they are so bold as to email us, they may do so <laughs> at 801-HORROR-CULT-VIX-VIX at gmail.com. So make sure you follow us, make sure you interact with us, and make sure you keep listening to us. And spread us like the plague. Like the COVID. So, world, my plaid-clad occultist, we have come to an end. This, this was the episode that is really sad. So let's get some justice for Rosie Tapia and her family. Yeah, there you go. And, uh, you know, the ghost in the room would also like to say hello and goodbye so yeah next week we're going to be talking about the salt lake city strangler and maybe just maybe we can get miss marty who likes to party back with us she's doing better if not it's going to be another solo episode episode it's going to be another solo episode So in the words of Nelson Mungs from The Simpsons. Smell you later, bitches!